Hi, I'm Sonia. Hi, I'm Sapna. And this is Loudmouth Loud Keys. So in this episode, we will be talking about a topic that's very near and dear to our heart, and that is mental health and the destigmatization of mental health in the Desi community. So, so I guess I'll take, take it away. Go for it. <laughs> um, so if any of you follow me on social media, um, you probably know that I'm pretty vocal about not only my own experience with mental health, but also the destigmatization of mental health within the Desi community. Um, a bit of background, I grew up in an abusive household. My dad was pretty abusive um, physically, emotionally, um, verbally, and that definitely played a big role in my mental health. I can say that ever since fifth or sixth grade, I was depressed. Um, definitely, you know, had suicidal ideations. I started self-harming. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school that I was finally diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And this was after, you know, years of tr struggling with my emotions and how I felt and never really being able to talk about it with anybody and always feeling afraid of what my parents were going to say. So, you know, I get diagnosed um, and kind of leading up to the diagnosis is I... Uh, I was hospitalized for a suicide attempt and that was really when my whole world shifted in terms of the type of mental health care that I was receiving. I had been to some pretty like awful psychologists beforehand and counselors that really didn't make the situation any better and you know post-hospitalization I was required to go to therapy three times a week. I was required to take medication, and it really did kickstart my recovery period. And how do you think your experience would have been different had you gotten less support from your mom? Or how do you think it would have been if it was more of a taboo issue? Because I know it was, but I feel like if it was even more of an issue, and, and that might have hindered you from getting access to therapy. Oh or my gosh, medication. yeah. Like, I was surprised in the first place that my mom was willing to take me to therapy. You know, it, it started and it was a weird kind of awkward transition from her moving out of my dad's house and us like trying to figure our, our lives out on our mm -hmm. own. Um, and I really, I actually had to convince my mom to take me to the hospital after my suicide attempt. Like mm -hmm. that's, you know, as supportive as she was and as much as I love her and as much as an incredible force she's been in my life, I still had to convince my Desi mother that something was wrong. And that's and that's so weird to think about because, and that just always goes back to the stigmatization of mental health that we're, we're used to hearing. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you had, if your leg had somehow been cut and you were bleeding, oh, your yeah. parents would definitely, without a doubt, take me to the hospital. Right? And it's interesting that even when you know something is wrong, that there's that weird stigma, like, oh, yeah. you'll be fine, you know? Yeah, yeah. I and think that's interesting. It was definitely 
kind of me exploring also that stigmatization post-hospitalization because part of something that I did just for myself um, because I'd been told to you know shut up and I told to be quiet about these issues for so long in my life I was like you know what I'm not going to do that anymore so part of something that was really therapeutic for me was writing about all of this I became very very public about my hospitalization about Mm -hmm. my experience in a you know, with domestic abuse, um, about my experience with depression, suicidality. And I definitely got called out by a lot of aunties and uncles. And that's so crazy, right? Because yeah. it's the same thing. If it wasn't a mental health issue and it was a physical health issue, you'd be commended. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and that's weird that our community, we have a lot of people in our community who are in healthcare, mm-hmm. right? And we have so many people in our community who strive to be a part of healthcare, and yet it's our own community that's kind of still shying away from huge health issues that plague America or plague the world, really. It's not Absolutely. even just America. Absolutely. Yeah, and so Sonia and I were talking about this earlier and how a lot of of this whole issue of mental health is something that needs to be destigmatized and Sonia's done a lot of work in destigmatizing mental health and it would be great if you could talk a little bit about that what are some things that you've done sure so you know writing those articles was kind of part of my um was part of like a therapeutic release and kind of me exploring this whole new area of healthcare and mental health care and really what I needed to do for myself that was all in high school so now I'm going into my third year in college And I have just had the most amazing opportunities this past year because I found nonprofit organizations that focused on mental health destigmatization among the Desi community. Mm -hmm. And that's something I never thought I would ever find. I thought I was the only one who wanted, who's like, you know, this pioneer of pursuing this destigmatization. It was so overwhelmingly comforting to find groups of people who on that same mission. Yes. They want to fight for the same thing. And so I've been pretty involved with two um, organizations, particularly the first was Manmukti and Manmukti aims to, you know, encourage healthy open dialogue of mental health issues in the South Asian community in an effort to remove stigma and improve awareness and promote self-care. So you can check out their Instagram or their, you know, their Facebook or even just their website itself. They are really about providing resources. They've done, um, the team has done amazing research on mental health issues. Um, They're really about, you know, providing the facts and making sure that people are more aware of how prevalent this is and also what we can do to make sure that that these people like you and I are getting the support that they need. Mm-hmm. The second was Diltaville. So when Manmukti, I got involved, um, they featured me in their Humans of Manmukti page. And uh, Diltaville is another platform. They mainly use Instagram to kind of convey their message, but it's dedicated to deconstructing stigma surrounding mental health in South Asian communities through heart-to-heart conversations. You know, that Diltaville. <laughs> um, and it was great. And I found them and I actually got the opportunity to do a takeover for them, an Instagram takeover. And I got to talk to their followers about my own experience with mental health. And, you know, 
by being part of these communities, by finding these nonprofits, not only was I realizing and finding connections that I could, you know, use to further this mission of mine, but I also found communities of support. I have made so many, like, friends through these nonprofits and through these organizations, and it's been just amazing to be able to share my own experience and let people know that they're not alone, but also to have people come to me and tell me like, hey, I went through the same thing and it's great to hear that I'm not alone. And I think another really great thing about Dil to Dil and, and Manmukti and all of these other similar nonprofits that kind of focus on deconstructing the stigma, right? And I think it's really cool that they're doing it on social media because mm-hmm. we all know how social media and Instagram, like all specifically Instagram is, is often like a highlight reel, right? Yeah. You you look through Instagram and it's everyone living their best lives and it's everyone posting and putting forth the best content that they have to offer. And I think it's interesting that in Dil to Dil uses Instagram, which is typically used to kind of like show perfection, right? And yeah. show the best part of people's lives. And this is like here, you can be on Instagram and see reality. Like, this Absolutely. is what people actually deal with. I think some of my favorite takeovers on Delta though have been the ones where these people were just straight up honest and they were like, you know, I haven't had the best day. Here is me having a, like, this is what's happening. I'm having a breakdown during this takeover. Yeah. I had my own, like, it was, like, the pressure was insane. I'm I definitely sure. felt like I had to present this perfect self. And it's like, it's so frustrating because yeah. this is you talking about mental health and still there's that whole social media aspect of how can I still be perfect? Yeah, and at the end of the day, the Dill to Dill fam was just so supportive. Everyone was like, you know, at the end of the day, you're sharing your story. It doesn't matter how you're doing it. It doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you're sharing your story and you're comfortable doing it, that's all we want. And it was great. Yeah, so thank you so much, Sonia, for sharing. I think... Another aspect we really wanted to talk about in terms of mental health care, you know, we know that the stigmatization of mental health in South Asian American communities, East Asian American communities, and even in American society, right, it, it is very stigmatized. And this leads to uh, increasing in, increased suicide rates and so many things like that because people are afraid to reach out for help, mm-hmm. right? And... Another issue that we wanted to talk about, something that we've noticed in the Desi community as well, is the stigmatization of medication and the whole medical aspect of mental health. Because the second word in mental health is health, right? And people often detract from this by stigmatizing it. Absolutely. So when I was hospitalized, and I mentioned, I was put on medication. I'm still on medication. I still take antidepressants. Um, And I've been on them for you know, since 2015, so almost five years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a huge thing because ACs don't like taking medication. Yeah, and trust me, it's not us just saying it. Like, we know, we have these anecdotal sort of experiences with people in our own lives not wanting to take medication, not wanting others to take medication. Absolutely. And I mean, Sabna, you have been really, really involved in the Desi healthcare community. Totally, yeah. And it's something that I've seen a lot just by virtue of working with a lot of South Asians in healthcare, not only healthcare providers who are Desi, but patients who are Desi. It's this huge stigmatization of using medication or or. I don't even want to say relying on medication Mm because that's kind of what people see it as, 
But people see medication as an option and something that's like that could be supplementary but sometimes you need medication it's the same thing it's like if your leg is bleeding you need a some you need a medical solution right like you need there's all these sort of ayurvedic options which don't get me wrong ayurvedic options can work you know there's a lot of um homeopathic sort of solutions there's a lot of ayurvedic solutions to problems there's definitely a benefit to going natural yeah exactly but at the same time, sometimes we overlook the importance mm-hmm. of just medication and, and reaching out to doctors. And we were talking about this earlier. The reason people take SSRIs, is it's because it's a biochemical issue often, yes. right? Yeah. So the medication I take, um, I have low levels of serotonin mm-hmm. in my brain, um, which contributes to my depression, right? Yeah. And so my SSRIs help raise my levels of serotonin to kind of give it back to a normal level of where I would be if I wasn't clinically depressed. Yeah, and I think that's really important is understanding the science behind mental health because you see media and sometimes they're like, oh, they're they're crazy or or movies will portray people with like split personality disorder and anxiety and just make it some sort of show or something Mm -hmm. that's like very exaggerated. But no, it's, it's often that mental health is a biochemical thing going on and the only way to solve that is by medications typically. Yeah, so just want to point out that not... We're not saying that mental health, the solution to mental health is medication. Yeah, that's Um, not always the case. No, so definitely medication is an option. Mm -hmm. I've always seen it as um, it's like a 35% medication, 75% therapy type of thing when it comes to mental health because, you know, there are a lot of things that you can do to help you cope with day-to-day struggles. Yeah, like interpersonal connections. Absolutely. But I think what Sapna is really touching on is that, you know, if within the Desi community, we are so opposed to taking medication for physical ailments, then how on earth are we ever going to get to the point where we can comfortably talk about medication for mental health? Totally. And this is the part of the podcast when I bring out all the statistics, okay? All right. (laughs) One of the big issues that we've been talking about is cultural competency, right? That's kind of been the the whole theme of this podcast series as a whole is just getting to understand intersectionality of issues, not only as being a woman, but being a woman of color or being a Desi woman of color, right? So with that being said, it's really important to understand cultural competency within healthcare and mental mm-hmm. health care. And so with that, we have to understand the importance of medication when needed. And so I've worked a lot, like Sonia was saying earlier, with Desi communities. Um, and a lot of what I've seen, uh, as some of us may know, Desis have a really high risk of falling to hypertension. So we have a lot of high blood pressure, hypertension. It's just, it runs in Desis. BP is definitely... Uh, an like issue. An it's issue, an issue. But we also all know what BP means, a high <laughs> BP. You're like, you'll see an uncle get, yeah. getting really mad, and you're like, oh, his BP is pretty high. <laughs> yeah, it's just hypertension's an issue. Uh, heart issues are, a, are an issue in, in the Desi community. And yet, so many of the doctors that I've worked with, I've seen them talk directly to the patients and say, like, you're your blood pressure needs to get under control. And then the patients are very, very, at least the ones I've seen, a lot of them are very, very reluctant to take medication. 
because they don't see medication as the solution to the problem, which all the time it might not be. There are other ways to solve problems, but to a certain extent, sometimes you need medication. Absolutely. I'm sure we can all think of examples of people's in, people in our lives who, you know, they see people in our lives who have been given an assortment of medication mm-hmm. and they never take it and yep. then the issue gets worse and you have to go back to the doctor and you have to explain how this person isn't taking their medication. And trust me, I've seen it so much. This entire summer I've been working in different offices and a lot of they see people come in with the same issues and then they wonder why it's not being fixed and then the doctor asks them, have they been taking their medication? And then that's when they're like, uh-oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. And in 2015, there was a study that the University of Missouri did And the title of the study was U.S. South Asians More Reluctant to Seek Medication for Pain. And so we looked into this study and ultimately it pretty much said that South Asians, a lot of Asian people in general, are not really satisfied with the treatment they are getting in America or in other Western countries because Western countries often put more emphasis on medication. But Desis and other Asian populations don't like taking medications Mm -hmm. because there's a stigmatization around it. Mm -hmm. And a point that I'm going to bring up here is, you know, Sapna did mention this term cultural competency, which is something we both have been exploring, especially in the healthcare field. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something really important to bring up because, you know, cultural competency is this idea that you are aware of the implications of a certain culture Mm -hmm. and how that can play in the intersectionality of all things. Totally. For example, in mental health care, um, knowing and realizing that, you know, if I as a counselor, like, or a therapist or a psychologist know nothing about, you know, the South Asian community, Mm -hmm. I can go in to see a client and it's just going to baffle me if they're not ready to accept that there's a reason that they're here. Totally. And that happens because there is a strain of, like, you know, cultural stigma around it. Totally. And understanding that and really making sure that we are hiring more competent, culturally competent um, healthcare providers, making sure that we are educating the people around us about these issues, that all comes together to build a culturally competent environment Mm -hmm. where healthcare providers can provide the best care and also people can get the best care. Yeah, and there's that huge aspect of having culturally competent doctors and it's also important for patients to be, it it is hard, understandably so, because health issues are very hard to deal with, they're complex and all of that. Personal. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's hard sometimes because in Asian cultures, um, we were reading in that article once again, Um, from the University of Missouri, and they were talking about how the ways that doctors deal with um, pain is so different in America, in Western countries, versus in Eastern countries, right? So here, a lot of the time, we go to doctors to get checkups. We go to doctors if we think something's a little wrong and we want to get it figured out. But often in these Asian countries, you only go to the doctor when you're in severe pain, when you need to fix something that's very blatantly obvious, that's when people go to doctors. And so as a result, there's this really minimalistic attitude towards medication because people only see medication as something to take if there's severe, severe issues. Mm -hmm. And then, like Sonia was saying earlier, if we're having these issues towards physical ailments, when there's already the stigmatization of mental health, 
And on top of it, people don't like med taking medication in this community. It just makes the problem a lot worse. And it really aggravates the reason why we're having so much kind of untreated mental health issues. Absolutely. I think, you know, when I was doing the Build to Build Takeover, I had posted on their story a picture of the two bottles of my medication. Mm -hmm. I remember and seeing. it was the you know, that was the one I got the most reactions to. And I did not really think it would be. Yep. And it, was, it was just a picture of her medication. I saw this on this on the story. It yeah. Was just a picture of two pill bottles. And it was the one that got the most reactions because people were like, wow, this is, you know, one, this is real. Thank you for, like, yeah. being so open about this. Yeah. Two, no one talks about it. No one, t no one is open about their medication. No one is open about, you know, taking SSRIs. Like, I've been told by, you know, people, and this is meant in the best intention, mm -hmm. but don't mention you're on medication. See, isn't that so weird? Because medication is seen as some sort of, like, oh, they're reliant on it, you mm -hmm. know? But it's like, if you need medication, you need medication. I, I think that's that's an interesting sort of thing that we're grasping with as we move on into the future as we try to find more culturally competent uh, healthcare providers who can kind of enforce that and stress that. And it's hard because it's a cultural thing. Yeah. So I think that's really a big passion for you and I, mm -hmm. you know, one being those culturally competent. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> healthcare providers, but also advocating for that. Yeah. Um, Cause it's on both sides as patients and as healthcare providers, people must learn the science behind it too, mm -hmm. right? Because mental health is not just like a sort of thing that people make up. Because a lot of people think that like, oh, I'm sad one day. Oh, I'm depressed. Like that's not what mental health is. No, it, it, it really is. Mental health encompasses everything. As we all know, we all have, we all have like mental health, right? Like we all have a mental health. Yeah. For lack of better <laughs> words. Um, but it is, dealing with our mental health and being able to cope with difficulties that becomes the bigger issue. And I think at the end of the day, something that's been really inspiring for me and you as well is seeing Desi individuals come together and really start talking about this and really start to deconstruct this stigma that we've you know, our parents have dealt with over the years and that we've had to deal with and that our society has dealt with for centuries. And that's big. You know, every time, Sonia, someone like you goes on social media, a place that is is so kind of like filled with pressure because everyone wants to be perfect, every time that someone like you makes it clear that not everything is perfect, mm -hmm. that medication sometimes needs to be taken, those are all steps in the right direction, I think. Yeah. You know, it's it's one person at a time. If we can change a mindset, we can change the way that people view health. And I think it comes down back to that whole idea, you know, we're doing this because we are inherently storytellers. Mm -hmm. We have loved being able to use our voices to talk about the things we're passionate about and to share stories. And at the end of the day, storytelling for me has been about sharing my truth and about creating a web for the people around me that I may or may not know and just letting people know that there is someone out there who feels the same way you do. And their thoughts are valid. Yes. Regardless, because Validation, you, absolutely. Yeah, like if you feel like you were the only person taking medication, 
then obviously like you'll feel weird about it. Mm-hmm. But when you realize that there are people, the person right next to you might be taking medication, the person might right next to you might be needing help, the more we open up and discuss what we're actually going through, that's how we evoke real change. Yeah, so I hope this gives you guys something to think about and would definitely recommend checking out these platforms. Um, just really start start engaging with the nonprofits and organizations and influencers that are out there who are really using their platforms to talk about this. And, and read up on things, you know, challenge notions that have been always imposed on you and, and really just don't be afraid to be different. I know that sounds so cliche, but seriously. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Loudmouth Legacies and for following along this whole season. If you haven't gotten a chance to catch up with all the episodes, you can listen to them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Anchor. Follow our Instagram at loudmouthredgeese for upcoming content, collaborations, and literature. And feel free to email us with any questions, comments, or suggestions. We hope you enjoy, and we'll see you next season.